You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. I'm going to ask you guys to, to really focus in today. And in return, I'm going to promise you that my sermon will be half as long as it normally is. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean Chi Alpha is going to get out a half hour or, or uh, half as fast. Um, but... You won't have to listen to me, at least, for much longer, or for half as long. I can't, words today. It's probably a good thing my sermon's really short, yeah. So, as a pastor, one of the things that always kind of cracks me up is that this time of year, holidays start coming around, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, we got snow, even though fall's only been here for like three days. I'm a little bitter about it, but... It reminds me of the holidays. And one of the things about the holidays that always just kind of cracks me up is that as a pastor, it doesn't matter where I am. Um, when we're having a Thanksgiving meal, I'm always the one that's asked to pray for it. And it doesn't matter where we are. And, and because I'm a pastor, everywhere, whether they're Christian or not, assumes that I'm going to like press my beliefs on everybody and I want them to make me pray for the meal. You know, it's so dumb, but, um, so what I do is, if you've been around me for very long, uh, if you've ever eaten a meal with me, and I've been the one that prayed over the meal, you realize that I don't even actually pray for the food. Like, I spend the entire time praying about things that I feel are important. Maybe I will take a second and thank God for the food, but, um, in reality, I usually spend most of that time praying about my family or praying over um, our lives or our conversation because um, when I'm around my family, there's quite a few of them that that will be the only time that they hear someone pray or receive prayer for the year sometimes. Sometimes I'll be around family that literally I know that that'll be the only time they hear somebody pray for the year, pray for the year. And so I want to take the opportunity rather than praying for the food. One of these times somebody's going to get food poisoning and they're going to get really upset at me for not actually praying for the food. But my thoughts on it, like I said, are if, if I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray for the things that really matter. I'm going to pray for the things that are important. Not that, you know, food isn't important because we need food to survive. However, in our lives, in, in American society, food is just kind of second nature. We know we're never going to really miss meals. In other countries, sometimes in, in more impoverished areas, food is a big blessing. But to us, it's just second nature. So I take the time to pray about the things I really feel like um, are going to impact our lives. And so... Um, one of the things that I like to do is as a pastor, I know that I pray and I know I spend time in prayer. And so if you're around me for very long, you'll notice that I usually make everybody else pray. So if somebody's like, Hey, Tanner, you want to pray for the food? I'm like, um, no, I'm good. Phil, you do it. I usually pass it off. And the reason is because, um, one of the reasons specifically is I, I think the most important thing is that, Sometimes we don't get comfortable praying or even knowing how to pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. And the best way to get comfortable praying is to just actually pray. So I typically pass off praying onto other people who I know aren't comfortable. And not just to make um, people squeam and, and to just like the look on their face when they feel really uncomfortable, even though that does bring me pleasure. Um, that's not my intention. My intention is, first and foremost, to give people practice praying. 
give people opportunities to learn how to pray and to get more comfortable praying. I know sometimes that for someone who struggles with anxiety or is phobic of public speaking, that asking them to pray over something can be a terrible, frightening ordeal. But I think that it's still important for us to practice and for us to take that time and actually learn how to pray and practice how to pray. But... um I always kind of wonder whenever I'm in here in a service on a Tuesday night, whenever we have Chi Alpha going on, um, I always take a second when I'm, I'm thinking about my sermon, I always think about the level of impact it's going to have. What, uh, what percentage of you guys are going to be impact, impacted by my sermon? And what percentage of you is it going to go completely over your head? What percentage of you can get the meat of it and can get the depth of the sermon, but how many of you guys are just kind of skimming the surface of it? And not necessarily to your own fault, but some people are, are deeper in their walk with Christ than others. Some of you guys are, are fresh, just beginning your walk with Christ, and you guys are uh, early in your Christian walk, and some of you guys have been walking with Christ since you were born, basically. You grew up in a family, and you have pretty much been serving Christ your entire life, and something like praying is second nature to you, and some of you guys, it's, it's tough. Some of you guys don't really know even where to begin. And so um, the need to pray as a Christian is important. The, the need to pray um, as a believer in Jesus Christ is the most important aspect to our walks. It is the utmost importance. But if I pulled everybody in this room, and I know we got a short, small group because of midterms, but um, if I pulled everybody in here, I still think we would get quite a big variance as to how many of you guys pray regularly, how often you pray, um, if you've even prayed this week, if you maybe even prayed this month. And the reason for that variance can come from disagreements with God. It can come from not really ever being taught how to pray to not really understanding the importance of prayer. There's going to be a variance of some capacity within a room like this. There's, <clears throat> there's going to be a variance because we're all at a different walk. We're all at a different place uh, on our walk with Christ. And so my hope is today to talk about um, the basic essentials of prayer. And I think that all of us can learn something from it. Even those of us that feel like we know prayer, we understand prayer, there's still some aspect of prayer that we can grow in and we can learn from and that we can maybe add to our arsenal. And so my hope for today's sermon, and, and as I get past the intro that's extremely rough and dragging on, my hope for you is that you can learn something. And so I ask that if you are a seasoned veteran in prayer and you pray for an hour a day and you just, you know how to pray, I pray that you listen for the small details and you try to learn something today. And so um, right off the bat, I'm going to address two fundamental truths about God. Two fundamental truths about God. The first truth is that you as a Christian have to come to terms with the fact that God hears your prayers. Period. God hears your voice. God hears your heart. God hears your prayers. The God of the universe hears when you pray. And that he listens to your prayers that he actually listens to it when you pray. 
You have to come to terms with that as a Christian. You have to, to understand that. It's, a, it's a, a fundamental truth of Christianity. Throughout all of Scripture, it talks about it. You have to come to terms with God can hear you and God does listen to you. And the second fundamental truth about prayer and our walk with God is that God wants to hear your prayers. Period. You have to come to terms with the fact that God actually wants to hear what you have to say. He wants to interact with you. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to listen to you pray to him. Good, bad, or ugly, he wants to hear your voice. And he wants you to be honest and he wants you to be real. But most of all, he wants to hear your voice. I know sometimes that can be hard to grasp. Not necessarily because we don't agree with it or necessarily uh, or because we don't understand it or anything like that. But more often than not, what happens is we get into a point in our walk with Christ that something goes wrong in our lives, something comes up, and, and we begin to build some sort of a wall against God. And we start to, to, to believe things that are just aren't true, that maybe God can't hear your voice. Maybe God is punishing you and not listening to you. Maybe he's ignoring you. Maybe he's mad at you. Those just don't happen. That's not the way God works. That's not the way God is. He wants to hear your voice, and he is listening to you. And so if you've built up a wall against God, you have to be very careful and you have to tear down those walls because the problem is, and the reason we build these walls up is because we have a relationship with our earthly parents, our mom and dad. And when we were growing up, our mom and dad would tell us eventually if we, they got tired of hearing us talk, they would eventually tell us to shut up and go to our rooms or to stop talking or to stop annoying them. And we begin to project our earthly relationship with our parents onto who God is. And so we get to this place where when we screw up, we disappoint our earthly parents. Or when we make our parents mad or when we do something wrong, we know our parents aren't going to want to talk to us. Or when we talk too much or we complain too much or we whatever that we have, there's, there's a barrier there between us and our earthly parents. Some of us don't have good relationship with our earthly parents. Some of us do have great relationships with our earthly parents. But we have to be extremely careful to not take the baggage from our relationship with our earthly parents and place it upon God's, God's shoulders. Because God is a perfect parent. God is a perfect dad. He is, he is the perfect responsibility. He doesn't just all of a sudden get mad at us and oh, you're talking too much, stop talking, I'm mad at you. Or he doesn't go, oh, you screwed up this week, now don't talk to me, I don't want to hear your voice. Like, that's not who God is. That's not who he is, period. Like, there's no else way to, no other way to explain it. That's just not who God is. Because God's not going to tell us to shut up. He's not going to tell us to go to our room. He's not going to be mad at us. <clears throat> that's just not the way he is. And so because I believe everything that I speak from a pulpit needs to be backed from Scripture, we're going to go through just a few key pieces of Scripture here today. The first is uh, Psalms thirty-four seventeen, <clears throat> And if you want to turn, we're going to kind of go quickly through these uh, because the point of this service, as you can tell, it, it's a rough sermon. It was a rough draft. 
I wrote it very quickly because the goal of this sermon wasn't necessarily to bring something huge and, and, and drop a bomb on you guys and leave you guys in tears. The, the point of this sermon is to get us to a place. And so I'm walking us along a journey so that we can eventually get to a place. So we're going to go quickly through this stuff. But Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. God hears you and he answers your prayers. And so I can already understand that the, our natural instinct with this, if we're not in a great place with God and we haven't been praying, we haven't spent time, been spending time with God or we're mad at God, the very first thing that we will come up with in our brains to disregard this piece of scripture is that it says the righteous cry out. And we begin to condemn ourselves and we say that I'm not righteous. I'm not righteous enough for God to hear my voice. But if you guys remember what Jesus did on the cross made us righteous. We are righteous because Jesus is righteous. And so because Jesus has died on the cross for our sins and made us righteous, then this piece of scripture holds even more power because of what Jesus did on the cross. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The next piece of scripture is Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I know that sounds like an awesome scripture, and you want to write it down, and you want to get a tattoo of it, but let's look at the context first before we do that. Uh, when you're looking at the context of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, what happened was the ancient Israelites had grown hard-hearted towards God. They became proud. They became very proud, I should say. They became disobedient. And eventually they were exiled. And then what is being said here is that they will be humbled and in their humility they will pray. Once they are humbled, they will come back to God. And the reason I like this piece of scripture, I know that sounds heavy and that sounds harsh and that sounds hard, but the reason I like it is because a lot of times when I get to this place where I'm frustrated with God and I'm upset at God or uh, I'm just not clicking in my relationship with God and I'm having a hard time praying, what I need to remember is when I, when I read this piece of scripture and I, and I hear what it's saying and I hear the heart of Jeremiah at the time is what he's saying is that I need to humble myself and pray to God. And so it reminds me when I'm too stubborn to pray, that it's out of pride. It's not because God has shamed me. It's not because God has grown distance from, distant from me. It's not because God is mad at me. It's because I'm acting prideful and I need to humble myself and return to God and pray to him. I feel like this is such a powerful verse when I'm going through those struggles with my walk with God. Because if I would just humble myself, what God's saying is, if you would just humble yourself, I will meet you. Humble yourself. Come back to me. I want to hear your voice. Just humble yourself. Come back to me. And that's exactly what he was saying to them back then. But um, beyond that, the next uh, verse is Matthew eleven twenty eight, And this is a pretty popular one. It's pretty well known. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And this is so powerful and so important because what it's really just saying is you come to me 
and I will give you rest. You, Phil, come to me, and I will give you rest. You, princess, come to me, and I will give you rest. You who are anxious, who are heavy laden, who are overwhelmed, who are depressed, who are struggling, who are stressed beyond belief, you come to me and I will give you rest. Now my personal favorite scripture on prayer is actually Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This piece of scripture is so awesome. And the reason I love it so much is because at first glance, you see a, a really cool piece of scripture that's it's an awesome reminder. Just in reading that piece of scripture alone, you can learn a lot about the nature of God and who God is. And why and how and what he does to us when we pray. But when you look at this piece of scripture in context, combined with knowing the background information about what's going on within this piece of scripture, it becomes even more powerful. Because if you know Philippians, Philippians was written by Paul. And basically the theme of Philippians is reminding us through our hardships and through our troubles in life, It's reminding us to be content and to enjoy the presence of God and to have joy in life. Now, that's cool and all. You know, you can look at that and be like, oh, that's cool. If your life was going good, yeah, I could totally remember to do that. But the thing is that Paul writes this to the church of Philippi. He is writing it actually from prison. He's in jail when he's reminding us Do not be anxious about anything. He's in jail when he's reminding us that in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our requests to God. He's reminding us in jail that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. Through heavy persecution from the world, he's reminding us to pray. He's reminding us of the importance of prayer. And the significance of prayer. And so we've talked about the fact that scripture is very clear about the fact that we need to pray. And that God wants to hear us and God enjoys hearing from us. And and God commands us almost to come to him in prayer. But the reason, but why? I mean, it's significant for me. Prayer is that time in which when I'm frustrated, when I'm depressed when I'm angry, when I'm happy, when I'm full of joy. It doesn't matter what my mood is. When I go to God and I actually spend some time in prayer, I come out of it with a new mindset. And I, I come out of it with a renewed mind, with a renewed energy, with, with a uh, continued fervor. There's been times where I go into prayer and I'm just frustrated, angry, you name it. And I will come out of prayer with peace. There's been situations where I've just been upset at somebody, a person, a place. You know, I've actually been tangibly upset at a, a, a happening a circumstance. There we go. 
My brain couldn't think of the word. I've been upset at a circumstance and I've gone into prayer and I've given it over to God and I will come out of it with a peace. But then sometimes I take that frustration right back up and by the next day I'm frustrated about it again. And so I go back to God and I pray about it and then boom, I'm at peace. And then sometimes it lasts only another day and then I'm frustrated again. That's, I go back to God. I pray about it and I give it back to him. And he gives me peace. It's a continual process. It's not saying that, oh, if you pray one time, that's all you ever have to do. If you pray just once, you know, you're good for the rest of your life. Like, that's not what he's talking about. Like, prayer is a continual process. Scripture, when it teaches us how to pray, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because um, I have preached on this in the last year and I don't want to go over it again necessarily. But I do think it is extremely important that if you don't know how to pray and you don't know what a prayer looks like, if you go to Matthew 6 or write down Matthew 6 in your phone to remind you, um, I'll read it quickly, but it says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not go on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Then this is how you should pray. And this is specifically Jesus talking, and he's teaching them a basic outline of what prayer should look like. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. And so I'm not going to break this down like I have done in the past because that would take a lot of time and I don't want to take up too much time tonight because I feel like we have something more important coming. But basically what this is saying is it breaks down prayer into three specific areas. It's breaking down prayer into thanks, giving thanks to God, to petition, asking God for favor, asking God um, for your request, asking God for something, and then repentance. It's basically saying these three things are what make up prayer. It's saying thanks, thanks to God, your petition, your request, and repentance from sin, from mistakes. And so <clears throat> when you pray, don't forget, you know, try to remember all three aspects of prayer, of, of prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me, when you pray. And so I know you guys kind of get the picture of this, and we're going to kind of speed through this part quickly. But um, in a relationship, when you're having a conversation with somebody, one of the most important things to do is to actually take time to listen to their responses. Uh, I used to be the kind of person, I know I still talk a lot, but I used to be the kind of person that would never even let the other person get a, a breath in. And so through um, having somebody point that out in me, uh, my wife specifically, she's done a good job at reminding me to take a second and actually listen to the other person because the other person has input as well. And so a good communicator isn't somebody who just talks. A good communicator is somebody who also listens because listening is half of a conversation. And so when you're praying, when you're having conversations with God, take time to listen. Take time to 
hear his response. And now his response isn't necessarily going to be an audible voice. Sometimes it's peace. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes you just kind of have this gut feeling of an answer that he's giving you. But take time to actually listen and pray over that. Pray over his response. And so, the one thing I do want to be careful with is that you don't get religious with this. Prayer isn't a religious activity. It's a conversation. So if you're having a conversation with God and you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to thank him for something. Now he won't listen to my prayers. Like, that's not the way God works. It's important to remember these three aspects, but if you forget one, it doesn't undo your prayers. God isn't like, oh, you forgot to thank me for who I am, wall. Like, that's not who God is. But try to remember those three aspects in your prayers. And so one last um, aspect to prayer that I think is so important, and for you, those of you guys that are prayer warriors, this is the part that I, I want you guys to key in on a little bit, because I think this is an awesome thing that I don't do enough of, something that I, I wish I would remember to do, and that is take prayer or take scripture and pray it back to God. So while you're reading the Bible, while you're spending time reading the Bible, you can actually take the, the, the scripture and pray it back to God. And so if, in order to uh, give you guys an example of this, um, if you guys would turn to your Bibles to Psalm 23. Because, like I said, I feel like the most important aspect of prayer and the way that we learn prayer and the way that we learn how to pray is by doing There's only so much I can really talk about. And so I'm trying to get through all of the basics because I understand that we can be on way different ends of the spectrum in this room. And so I want to take the time and I want to make the due diligence to actually talk about the basic principles of prayer. And I understand that some of you guys, yeah, it's common sense. You've known this since you were five years old. Okay. But we've gone through that so we can get to the uh, practice part of of today's service. And so in order to start our prayer time out, and so from now on, my sermon is done. I'm I'm done preaching at you. I'm done teaching you. And we're going to go into the practical part of it. We're going to go into the practice. We're going to go into the application of what I've been telling you. Um, And so in Psalms 23, I want to show you guys an example of what it looks like to pray scripture back to God. And the cool thing about praying scripture back to God is because it's written in scripture, it's God's will. And so if you pray it, it's going to line up with God's will. If you're praying truths about humanity and God's chosen people and God's um, beloved, you're going to be praying prayers that are within God's will. And so if you guys are on Psalm 23, um, I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, download the Bible app and get to this place really quick um, because it's, it's going to be awesome for you guys to go through this. And I'm actually going to make you guys go through this on your own as well. So if you don't have the Bible open right now, I'm going to give you another two minutes to open it out on your phone and actually pull it up because I'm going to make you go through this on your own. And if you don't have a Bible, I believe we do. Do we have Bibles in the tote? So if you don't, ha- like I said again, make sure you pull your Bible out. I actually want you to go through this. Psalm 23. Go ahead and turn, if you haven't yet, to Psalm 23. Because like I said, I'm done preaching at you. This is now time for practice. You can't practice 
this if you don't have your Bible out because this is literally taking God's word and praying it back to him. And so I'm going to show you what an example looks like, and then I'm going to give you time to do it on your own. Um, I'll give you further instruction when we get to that point. But Psalm 23, it is a Psalm of David. It starts out verse one. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So as I read this, I can pray this back to God. God, you are my shepherd. God, I've, I've been distant lately. I've been coveting things. I've, I've been coveting my friend's car. Please forgive me because your word says I lack nothing. Help me to know that I lack nothing. Help me to not covet my neighbor's possessions. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. God, I'm feeling burned out. Your word here says you refresh me. You refresh my soul. God, I'm just feeling exhausted. Will you please refresh my soul? God, now in this time, would you do what your word says and refresh me? Would you please show me if there's anything in my life that I need to steer clear of? Because you say you lead me. Help me. Help me to to go away from the things that I need to steer clear of in my life. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God, I've been afraid a lot lately. I've been afraid of failing my classes. I've been afraid of, of... My personal prayer is I've been afraid of losing my dad to cancer. So God, will you please help me to see that you are with me and help me not to fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God, I feel empty. Please anoint my head with oil. Please fill my heart. Please help me to feel your presence. I haven't been feeling your presence lately. I don't necessarily feel you in my life. Will you please find me? Will you come to me and help me to feel you? Help me to see you. Help me to know you better. Help me to see the blessings in my life. Help me to be content with all of the amazing things you have given me. You guys can see the direction. Verse six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So for the next few minutes, I want you to be in Psalms 23. I want you to, if you've got another Psalm you'd rather turn to, feel free to turn to it. Um, If you don't know of any scripture very well that you want to turn to, I encourage you to stay in Psalms 23. And what we're going to do is for the next few minutes, we're going to give you the opportunity. I want you to specifically pray this Psalm back to God. The way that I kind of gave it to you as an example, you can take it word for word. You can take it sentence for sentence. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to pray this scripture back to God. Exactly the way that I, uh, I told you guys to. And so after a few minutes, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to lead you into the next part of today's service. And for the next five minutes once you're done with this if you're not done with it continue in it but I want to give you the next step that way we can all kind of go to the same place you're not just sitting there once you're done praying scripture over your life and praying to God through the scripture once you're done with that then I want you to spend the next five minutes and go into personal prayer go into personal conversation with God I want you to remember three things the three things I want you to thank God for the blessings in your life and thank God for who he is and what he has already done. 
want you to give your petitions to him. If you need help with midterms, if you're struggling with something, if you've been struggling with depression, it doesn't matter. Give your petition over to God and then repent. Ask forgiveness for your sins, for your screw-ups, for anything that you're struggling with, anything that you're beating yourself up for. Take that time and give it over to God and repent for those things. And so spend five, ten minutes. I'll kind of fill the room out. But once you're done praying the scripture over, go into that. And then if you get done with that, then I encourage you to go to another piece of scripture and find another piece of scripture and pray the scripture back to God. And then we'll come back for the next step. All right. So in closing... Did anybody die? Almost. But did you die? Did you die? No. The answer is no. It doesn't matter. That's the thing is, is even if it felt awkward for you, it's practice. Even if it felt like it was uh, weird or out of place, it still was good. It still was good prayer. Uh, God still heard what you had to say. There's no elegance. Like, you don't need to have Old Testament there's and thou's to pray. It can be awkward. Awkward prayer is the best prayer, in my opinion, because it's vulnerable and it's honest. But, all right. So that was the uh, today's service. Um, I strongly encourage you guys to practice all the different forms of prayer that we practice today regularly, both in reading Scripture and praying Scripture over your life um, in, in spending the time in prayer and praying for other people. I think it's a very important part of our walk. And so um, if you need prayer, never hesitate to ask others because they get to practice in praying for you. And in turn, hopefully then they'll let it give you the opportunity to pray for them and to practice praying for them. And, and um, through that, we get closer and we build bonds and we build fellowship with each other. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today and we thank you for the opportunity to come together and learn about you more. And God, I pray that um, no matter what our level of understanding of prayer, that you could work on our hearts and encourage us and, and help us to pray more. Um, even if we're already spending a half hour in prayer every single day, God, I pray you would still encourage us and, and still help us to pray more. And if we're struggling in prayer and we just don't even know where to begin sometimes, that you would help walk us through that process. Help grow us, um, help get us closer to you. Um, Lord, we thank you. And I pray for midterms for these students that you would help guide them, help them to pass their tests, pass their exams, um, get their papers written in a good, timely fashion, um, and to prevent burnout and give them abundant time during this season and safe travels as they go home or go uh, anywhere else. Um, if they're leaving for the weekend, God, I pray that you would give them safe travels to and from. Um, Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, we'll see you Thursday.